Um, there was a movie that came out um, back when I was, I, I didn't even look up the date, I was I'm thinking middle school, and the movie was Cool Runnings with John Candy. And it was um, based on a true story, based on a true story. The movie didn't have a lot of truth in it, but a Jamaican bobsled team, the first Jamaican bobsled team, going to Calgary and competing in the Winter Olympics, um, pushing a bobsled. And um, there's this one scene in the movie that, that has always really stuck out with me. Um, the movie is um, based on here, John Candy, a character named Irv Blitzen, and he is a past Olympic medalist from the U.S., and it was discovered that in the Olympics, he and his team cheated in the bobsled event, and he was banned from the sport, and so he moved to Jamaica to get away from everyone, and these Jamaican sprinters basically asked him to come and be their bobsled coach. And so um, there's this scene in the movie right before one of their first runs on the bobsled track, and one of the, the stars of the team, Darice Bannock, um, looks at John Candy and he says, Coach, I want to know why you cheated. And he tells him, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. And he says, no, that's a, that's a fair question. And he says, I, I made winning my whole life. And if you make winning your life, you will do absolutely anything to win. And then there's this great, great line that comes next. And he says this, a gold medal is a wonderful thing. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And, and I, start, I start to think, like, how many times in my life have I really, really, really wanted something? To the point that my mind became fixated on it. Maybe, maybe you wanted a new car. And, and all you could think about was a new car. You wanted a new house or, or maybe some new clothes or a new accessory, a new toy or gadget. Maybe it was a promotion at work or a title or raise. But, but your mind became so fixated on that. There's this idea in psychology called focalization. And what it, it basically says is that when we want something, our minds become so fixated on it that it basically blurs out everything else and makes us feel like it's the most important thing in the world and really is going to promise more than it could ever really give. And, and that's why when you're driving down the street and you decide you want a new Toyota Tundra, the only car you see on the road is a Toyota Tundra. You might not have seen a Toyota Tundra in years but you're driving down the road and you've decided you want that new truck and that's the only car that you see. And, and our mind has a, a funny way of playing tricks on us. And, and you think about the, the last thing that you really, really, really wanted, where your mind just kind of fixated on it and you were focused. And, and I wonder, how did you feel once you finally got it? You, you're driving off the lot in the new car you're walking out of the store with the new clothes or that accessory or that toy. How did you feel? My, my guess is in that moment, you felt pretty good. It's interesting reading stories about that. People will actually feel like you actually feel like you're a better person because of what you have, because of how it makes us feel. And, and it really is this feeling. 
It, it, it's more probably a dopamine hit than anything else. These endorphins that, that kick in and kind of give us this high. But then when it wears off, when it wears off, and you're, you're left kind of, maybe it wasn't as big as I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't going to, to produce all the things that I thought. Maybe it wouldn't be as big. And we can tell ourselves, like, on the other side, we know that. Like, we've lived long enough, we've bought enough things that we know the long-term effects are going to be really, really short-lived. But in that moment, we become so fixated on it that we have to have it. And then once we get it, there's this side of us that's like, ah, because they send a bill, and they send you a mortgage statement, or they send you a car payment, or you get the credit card bill, or you get the, the raise and the responsibility comes with it. And it wasn't always what we thought it would be. You look back over the past couple of years with this isolation and, and being socially isolated, and I think there's been this longing for things to replace that relationship side. And maybe in some ways buying things, holding on to things, things that we think are so important. And I think one of the things that we've all realized in the past year is how important this is. Right? When we're sitting at home having church by ourselves on a video screen, on a TV, like, it makes you miss. I mean, and I'll, I'll tell you, uh, you know, Tony, great job with Communion Chuck, great job with worship. I think the sermon is the most important part of our services. <laughs> but, but honestly, it's not. Right? Honestly, it's the fact that we get to come together, and we get to laugh together, and we get to cry together. And we get to celebrate together. And we get to worship together. Like that, that, This is supposed to be time together as family. And it is so, so important to us in the life of our church. It's so important that we're doing it. And so this morning I want to look at agree. As we talk about, as we talk about not wasting our life, I think one of the ways that we waste our life is so much of our time, so much of our focus, is chasing after things that will never satisfy. Right? Things that will never fill us up like we think they will. And they might make us feel good in a moment, but we know over time it's a really short-term effect. But we chase after so many things. And there's a teaching of Jesus as he's talking to some disciples. And I want you to listen to these words. They're in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. He says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Watch out. He gives this kind of imperative, this warning statement. Watch out. Be on your guard, guard your heart, protect yourself against greed. Now, now you have to understand a, a couple of things that happened just before this. Jesus was speaking to his, the Pharisees, and he speaks these woes to them. 
And then he turns to this crowd that's gathered around, that's heard what he said to the Pharisees. And he says, now, don't let their heart and soul and mind seep into your life. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees is what he says. Don't let their mentality and their life seep into yours. Watch out. I want you to focus in on me and honoring me with your life. And, and so he tells them that you're going to go into the, the public, um, public squares and you're going to um, announce that you're a disciple of me and I don't want you to be afraid of this. And then he says this, and this for me has always been one of those things that's so, so difficult. And this isn't, no, go back to the greed slide. Just stay there. Thank you. Um, he says this just before. He says, when you are brought before the synagogue's rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Now, now think about this. In a world where you could be crucified for not bowing your knee to Caesar, for, for being different. You could be put on trial. Jesus says to these followers, don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't be afraid in that moment. Because the Spirit is going to give you the words. Now, you talk about faith and trust in someone. There, there is an incredible level of faith and trust to be able to walk into a trial where you could have to pay the price of your life and say, you know what, I'm not really worried about what I'm going to say because I believe the Spirit of God is going to work in me to say what I need to say in this moment. That is a lot of faith and trust. That, that is an incredible amount of faith and trust. That I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to trust that God is going to give me those words and that He is going to lead me at that time. And then the very next thing that happens is he's talking to this crowd. This man says, hey, my brother won't give me what's mine. Can you divide us the inheritance between us? Can you tell him to give me what he owes me? And Jesus says, wait, wait, wait. Who, who made me a judge or arbiter? And then the very next thing he says is right here what we said. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. To a man who was wanting to get what was rightfully his. Right? If this inheritance was to be divided and he was withholding that inheritance from his brother, it was rightfully his. And Jesus' response is not, yeah, let me step in and fix the problem for you. It's not, hey, go find a judge or arbiter. It's like, wait, that's not my job. But here's what I need to tell you. Here, here's what I need you to hear. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. What, what is greed? It's a selfish and excessive desire for more of something that is needed. But it was mine, Jesus. Watch out. 
guard your heart. Guard your soul against pursuing things that will not satisfy you the way that you believe they will. Okay? Why? Why do we watch out for that type of greed taking over? He says this, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. Life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. It's not about what you acquire. Right? The, the problem for the Pharisees, for the teachers of the law, their life was about perception. They wanted to look a certain way. They wanted to look smarter than they were, richer than they were. They wanted to look the part. They, they were more concerned with what they appeared to be than what they actually were. Now, now think about this. We, we live in a country. We, we live in a world where it seems like we're more concerned at times about appearing wealthy than actually being wealthy. We're more concerned about what people think of us and what we have than we are about actually being financially stable. I mean, you, you look at the nation as a whole and the amount of debt that is in our world. We, we are consumed with this perception of how people see us. And I wonder... Is it possible that perception could be about greed? The, the way that we perceive ourselves, the way we want to picture ourselves, or the way that we want other people to picture us. Maybe it's why when we do get that new vehicle, or we get that, that, those new clothes, or we get that new house, we feel like a better person. We start to perceive ourselves differently, thinking we finally made it. And what we have is going to fulfill us. And what we have is going to make us whole. So we keep pursuing, and we keep acquiring, and we keep wanting. Right? You, you've heard, um, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, and there's actually a couple pictures out there. But I found a much more um, economical way of doing that. Because, see, here you don't have to rent the U-Haul. Right? You, you get to keep all of it. It goes with you. Or, or you've heard the, the old bumper sticker, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Right? And we all know the, the, the truth of it is, right, the one who dies with the most toys dies. Because you don't get to take it with you. So, so right after Jesus gives this warning, I want you to be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He tells a parable. And he says, there, there was this man who was blessed with this abundance of crop. And he looked at this crop and he thought, man, this is more than I've ever had before. 
and I can really take it easy now, but I have a problem. I have too much grain, and I don't have a place to put it. And so what does he do? He goes and he builds this bigger barn so that he can store it. And he says to himself, now I can basically take it easy. I can eat, drink, and be merry and not have to worry all the rest of my days. Which would seem like logical, right? Save up what you have earned and what you work for. But, but right after that, Jesus says this, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? He works and he works and he works and he acquires this amazing amount of grain. But what was really interesting for me in the story, in the parable, is he was blessed with it. This was more than he's ever produced before. This was this incredible blessing. It was a gift that the sun and the rain and the ground and everything worked together to produce for him more than's ever been produced. To the point, he's got to build more barns. And Jesus comes in and says, wait, now, now here's, the, here's the problem. You've got all this stuff that you stored up for yourself. But tonight, your life is going to end. And here's the problem. You have these barns that are full. What's going to happen with them? What, what's, what is to come of all that you've worked and acquired, what happens? What comes next? See, th this man goes to some great extremes. Be because there's one extreme, you can keep it all, right? You, you can keep all of it for yourself, which is what he chooses to do. Or you can give it all away. And, and there's these two extremes. And I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, I just want you to give it all away. But at the same time, he says, hey, there's something happening within your heart. There's a trap, and it's called the trap of greed. And it's not just give it all away, but it's not keep it all for yourself. See, right here in the middle is where stewardship lives. That's where stewardship lives for us. Because stewardship has a couple of assumptions that come with it. One, that what you have is not yours, and that what you have, you have temporarily. Like We don't think about that very often. When our mind is focused on what we want and what we need, we're not sitting there thinking, I'm a steward of what God has blessed me with, and I need to, to take care of it and steward it well. And we're not thinking, well, it's not mine, we're thinking, I've worked for it. I've done what I needed to get it. I'm pursuing it. I'm growing. I'm climbing the ladder. Everything's going right. This is because I work hard. And the other thing we're not thinking is, well, this is temporary. I, what, what I have, I just have for a moment. What, what I have is not going to be with me. It's not going to be the U-Haul that's loaded down with all my furniture and everything that was in my house. 
Not, or the, not the U-Haul, but the hearse. I don't get to keep it. It's temporary. Here's the thing. That car that you wanted so bad 20 years ago, where is it today? The clothes that you had to have, like, man, that's just, that's what I need. Where are they 20 years later? The new iPhone, the new television. Where is it now? Did, did it really fulfill you the way that it promised? See, and here's what's tough. I would say every single one of us here in this room know intellectually deep down it's not. The car is going to be gone. The clothes aren't going to fit. That was funny. Sorry. <laughs> but we know intellectually. See, this is not an intellectual exercise for us. It's a heart issue. It's a heart exercise. It, it re really talks about the condition of our heart. So Jesus tells this parable, and he tells this man, hey, tonight your life is going to be demanded of you, and what's going to happen of all this stuff? And then there's this really big shift that comes next, it seems like. Right? It, it, to, to me, when I first read it, it kind of seemed funny. Okay? He says this in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, about your body and what you will wear, but... Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Go back to verse 22. Now, now here's why I thought this was kind of funny, and it was like, wait, what, what's going on? Yes, he's talking about owning stuff. But he makes this shift from worry, excuse me, from greed to worry. Because in this next section, he's going to continually talk, worry, 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 worry. And here, here's the thing. Greed is all about worry. At its core, greed is the fear that I won't have enough. Greed is the fear that I won't have enough. And so I need to take in more than I need and hold on to it for myself because I don't trust anyone but me to provide for me. That, that's ultimately what greed says. And so he talks about, are you going to spend your life worrying about what you're going to eat and drink and wear? Or are you going to focus on all of those? Because we, we put up that, that, um, that shift here, right? We, we can give it all away or we can keep it, and that right here is stewardship. But this is also where worry lives. Right? 
do I give it all away? What, what do I have left? Do, do I keep it all? How much do I give? And I would say worry and anxiety live right there with stewardship. It, it's this fear that if I give away too much, what am I going to do? If I've worked and worked and worked for it and I give some of it away, what if in the end I don't have enough? Who's going to take care of me? Who's going to watch out for me? And then Jesus has this really, really great question, I think. Okay? He says this, Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing. Why do you worry about the rest? Who, who of you about worrying? I mean, if you sit here and worry all day, who of you is going to add an hour to your life? So why then do you worry about the rest of it? If you can sit here and worry and it's not going to add time to the clock, why do you worry? See, worry can't change tomorrow but I promise you it can ruin today. It won't change tomorrow, but it will ruin today. Because you will not be present in the day because all you're doing is thinking about tomorrow. So, so Jesus says this. Then he says, do not set your heart. Right? Do not set your heart. And this word here is a teo in Greek. On what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, the, the people of this world run after, um, Zateo again, all such things, and your father knows that you need them. They, he, he knows they're yours. But seek, Zateo again, his kingdom. Give your life, your heart, let your heart run after. Let your heart pursue. Set your heart on. Seek after His kingdom. And these things, what, what are these things? What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear will be given to you as well. What, what Jesus, in my kingdom, in, in my world, as a good father, I'm going to take care of my children. And the question really comes down, do you trust the goodness of King Jesus? In a world for them, where you had to trust in the power of Caesar, would Caesar provide? Was Caesar, at the end of the day, going to worry about what you had to eat or drink? Or where was Caesar going to be concerned with your good or his good? What, what are you going to do? And, and so for these disciples, listen, this is so difficult. For these disciples, we talk about trust and faith. Not just trusting what are you going to do when you're put in that moment and you're placed on trial and you have to give an answer. Right? That's an incredible amount of trust and faith. But he goes to these disciples, these followers of Jesus, and says, Hey, listen, I know you think that Caesar controls all of this. 
And I understand you think you have to play by the games of the empire. Because the empire will provide for you. And it will take care of you. But you need to understand this. Don't set your heart on that because it will let you down. It will promise that it will satisfy. It will promise you that it will fulfill you. But in the end, I promise you it will not. Because Caesar's goal is not your well-being. It's his. Satan's goal in this world is not to give you this abundant life. It is to destroy. And he uses, I think, so many things to allure us, to seduce us, to distract us and say, hey, come, come follow me. I know you're a disciple of Jesus, but man, this new vehicle... It's amazing. These clothes, they will make you look better. If you get this promotion, life is going to be better. Come on. Come follow me. Because here, here's the truth. Here's the truth. You can do both. You can go to church. And you can, you can be all in there. And you can earn and earn and earn and earn and keep and keep and keep and keep and follow me and everything is okay. It's fine. And it's to that crowd that Jesus says, hey, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Because your heart will convince you that's what you need. And your heart will tell you that you're going to be satisfied if you get it. If you chase after it. If you run after it. If you pursue it. If you seek it. And he says, no. No. The real question comes back to trust. Do you trust in the goodness of the king? Do you trust that God is going to take care of me no matter what? Because let's be honest, for, for us, it's not a matter of what am I going to eat in the sense of am I going to have anything to eat? It's do I want salt grass or outback? Do you want McDonald's or Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A. But it's Sunday, sorry. <laughs> our, our problem is not, are we going to have it? Our problem is, can we build a bigger closet to store all the clothes? And can we get a house that has another garage for our other cars? And can we make sure we have enough pantry space for all of our food? See, and here's, here's what's hard. I was telling Mike and David this this morning. I hate preaching about this. Because... 
I struggle with it. I, I struggle every day following Jesus to keep my heart set on Him and to keep my mind set on Him. And I worry. Look, when my kids get older, am I going to have enough? And I need to give some away, but I need to keep some for myself. And how much is too much? And I worry about it. And I think Jesus gives that answer. You want to be able to let go of that worry? Like if it was that easy, right? You want to be able to let go of that worry? Okay. Here's what you do. Seek His kingdom. And everything else will be given to you. He will take care of everything else that you need. See, for, for centuries, God told His people, you, you have your crops, then give, give a tenth of that. Tr trust me. Do you trust that 90% of what you have left is going to be more than if you kept all of it for yourself? And I, th I think the same thing goes for us. Do you trust? God says, okay, I, I want you to... And I don't think there's this command that you need to give 10%. I think, I think it's a great starting point for us today. But do you trust if you give away 10% of what you have, that God will do more than with that 90% than what you could possibly do with the 100%? Or if you are super generous and you say, I'm going to give away 20% of what I earn, do you, do you trust that God can do more with that 80% in your life than what you could do with that 100%? Or is our mentality so much, I need bigger barns. I need more places to put it. And it goes to this question, and we'll end here. Do you trust? And not in the church answer. Like I know every, like I said, all of us right here, yeah, we, we trust Jesus. But do you trust the goodness of the King? To the extent you're willing to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm going to follow you. And I know tomorrow there's going to be things that pull my attention away from you. And I'm going to come back. And today I'm going to start again. And I'm going to start again. And I'm going to start again. Because I believe in your goodness. Father, today we thank you. We're so grateful to be together. We're so thankful for this time. And Father, we, we confess, and Father, I, I'll say I confess that I struggle. I worry about having enough about being taken care of, feeling like I have to take care of myself. And so, Father, once again, 
help me to surrender. And help me to let go of the things that I worry so much about. To give all of myself to you once again. Father, today I pray your blessing on us as a church. I I couldn't even imagine what would happen in our community if collectively this body, this family, was all in all of the time. But Father, that's the reason that we gather. So that in these moments we call each other, you call us through your people back to discipleship and following the way of Jesus. Seeking his kingdom first above everything else. And so, Father, today, once again, we surrender. And we focus our mind on King Jesus. Trusting, believing in your goodness. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.